What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind... No, sorry, what was it? <laughs> oh. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. Uh, everything's still weird. Um, wrestling's just staying weird. And um, Harris, um, is this the biggest week in wrestling over the past several years that that doesn't have to do with <laughs> in-ring action, I, I guess? I think it's got to be, It's right? got to be, because everyone's it's... fired. Everyone's gone. WWE cut, like, half their roster, and no one else did except the richest company and that that's kind of rubbed some people the wrong way and that's maybe not the best look in this uh this exact mm-hmm. time and done this mm-hmm. exact way now look yep. I, i'm not one who's gonna jump on everything because everyone that is most of these people have no idea how business works and they just jump on anything and i i know i've heard other things you know that that that, that make a little bit more sense and people that probably know a little bit that actually, you know, are in the know with stuff. I'm not going to act like I'm a business expert of how businesses need to be run. Um, but it just, it does seem like not, it wasn't well timed and was not well executed. I think that is without a doubt at this point. Well, what's so, what I think is so funny is the timing really is everything because this happened I think it was last week, and we yeah, started recorded. Well, I was going to say or we Monday. recorded an entire episode, went off the air, and then forgot that we never mentioned that the revival were released. Right, because when yeah. the revival got released, everyone was like, "Finally, yeah, yes, they're out. This is they're out. awesome, and they're yeah. going to go to AEW because they weren't being utilized properly in this company, yep. and they're going to have better matches and do better things, and it's great for wrestling." Yep. But if that happens a week later and they do it to 27 people at once, then it's, oh, this company sucks and it doesn't care about its employees. Like if Rusev got – Rusev got released, right? If Rusev had been released two weeks earlier, like two days before the revival, I would have been so happy. And I still like – if there weren't a global pandemic going on, I would still be psyched. Like it's bad for him, but you're like, yes – because he's so talented yes. and he can be used so well somewhere else. And this company had no idea what to do with him. This is good news. But when it happens to everybody at once, I, I get it. I'm with you. I, I get why people are mad. I think it's it, it's understandable because it's happening to everyone everywhere. And mm-hmm. like you have to also consider the, like this is the week the XFL filed for bankruptcy. Right. R.I.P. Yep. Go Guardians. I'm really glad I never bought a t-shirt now, to be honest <laughs> Oh, dude, I'm the other way around. I wish I would got a t-shirt. They're like uh, sales now? Dude. They probably are. All right, I got to look this up. You can keep talking. Think, but the whole thing, like they declared bankruptcy. So like who knows? Anyway, that happened. Uh, you know, Vince McMahon poured a lot of his own money into that. So in yeah. addition to the pandemic, if they came out and said like, Hey, we got to cut some costs. Like most of these people weren't on TV. 
none of them were in the middle of like big major pushes or really had much of anything going on. So like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go like, this is not going to be what causes me to say, I hate this company. They're immoral. You know what I mean? Like, can you believe this? There's no sales. Everything on the XFL shop says all sales are final, you know, like the big clearance type looking stuff uh-huh. and then nothing's on sale. I believe it, though, because like I, they, that's the dumb. way it looked to me was they were all like printed to order anyway. It's not like they have a stockpile of them sitting around. But well, I could be yeah, wrong. no, that that might be true. If that's yeah, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. If that's well, anyway, so the only, the other thing I want to point out about these releases and this is not original to me. One or two other people have pointed this out. I saw on Twitter, but. Mike and Maria Kanellis, they signed with WWE, almost immediately announced that Maria was pregnant. So, boom, nine months off TV plus maternity leave, paternity leave. While on the payroll, Mike Kanellis said, hey, that's a nice wellness policy you guys have here. Uh, I've been an alcoholic for a long time and I really need to go to rehab. So he went to rehab. About a year and a half later, they made their way back onto TV. They ran one or two weird probably worthy of this show cuckold angles and then oh hey guess what guys maria's pregnant again bye and then she just bailed again and then he wasn't on tv for months and then they both got released they both got paid like five hundred thousand dollars to do absolutely nothing have two kids and get clean they have absolutely won at pro wrestling and i respect them so much like good for them that's that's I do think it's funny that they're the biggest poster child of how terrible WWE is, is the fact that they like released them like with Maria being on maternity or whatever. And it's like, which I, I mean, I get that, but at some point when you haven't worked in like two years due to, you know, having kids, right? I, 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 I don't, I don't see why that's a problem. No, At listen, good for them. That's what I'm saying. They yeah, won, man. No, they, they did. They killed it. Sure. Like, it, yeah. again, it it sucks because really the biggest reason it sucks is because they can't go anywhere else and work right now either. Right, like if, right. If you're, un, if you're stuck in WWE, it's potentially unsafe. It's annoying that you have to keep flying to Florida or wherever they're taping these things, the pay-per-views, stuff like that. But at least it's a job, and now – you're kind of screwed if you don't have any savings because you can't go be a pro wrestler anywhere else. Right. You just kind of have to hope the t-shirt sales work out. Like that's unfortunate, but Mm -hmm. all of the people they released, almost all of them, if it happened like individually in like a random month and everything else was perfectly normal, you wouldn't be that upset about it. There's a couple where you're like, right. Okay. These guys were clearly here for life. Like Zack Ryder. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Or Kurt Hawkins or Heath Slater, whose entire gimmick is literally, I've got kids. I need to have this job. <laughs> That's not a great look. But yeah. almost all of those guys have enough of a grassroots following that you can see them like doing OK in the indies. Sure. It, it the, you know, that's what rubs people the wrong way is the fact that they got fired all at once. And when they they're not going to be able to do what they do anywhere else for like the foreseeable future. That right. it is rough. But. I'm with you. Like business dealings in Saudi Arabia, way more offensive to me personally than right. saying, "Hey, like our sister company, the XFL, who Vince McMahon invested, like almost he owned like all of it. That went out of business, and there's a global hundred year pandemic, 
and we're a publicly traded company with like projections we have to meet. Like, right. I, I that's get. the other thing that people don't get is everyone's like, oh, mm-hmm. they have all this money in res-. and so it's like, yeah, but all, you know, it, it's like the thing where oh, this person is worth this much money. It's like, yeah, well, not not really because half of its assets or other stuff. Like, right. It's th- not there's cash. there's a whole bunch of and I know they're pointing to oh, they have five hundred million dollars in liquid cash for whatever. And it's like. I mean, yeah, and so did they have to, whatever? Then it's like, well, maybe not, but also why just, like, would they purposefully just deplete everything? Right. You know, like that, so I don't know. I, 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 try, I, mean, I, I look at it from some from from those ways, and I feel like most people don't at all. They, they just look at it from the individual mm-hmm. standpoint, and I don't think that's always fair. Um, obviously sometimes sure, but I don't know. It's just, I feel like there's more to it than all the people that are just hate WWE for firing people at this time. It's like, yeah, I, right. I don't feel like, that's, you know, that that's, I don't feel like that's all it is, but yeah. And like, he definitely, I mean, he definitely could have, you know, he could have figured out a way to keep everybody in sure, but sure. I'm not offended that he didn't choose to do that. And here's the thing. If this were to, if they ha- if they come out with a vaccine for this thing tomorrow and we're back to business as usual within two weeks, would you really be surprised if they didn't hire all of those guys back if they wanted to come back? I have no idea. I have no I idea. I wouldn't be surprised. But, but like the other, this is the other problem, and this is another thing where I don't get the where I feel like people are kind of missing a little bit. Also, I mean, it's it's no, there's no question about it. WWE has been hoarding talent for the past several years. Yeah, I mean, exactly, like, like massively, you know, paying a lot yeah. of people a lot of money to, you know, lower people uh, because of AEW, which is the whole thing. I mean, that's that's great. That's the whole, you know, point of having competition. It's better for everyone. Um, and so people are now complaining about that. They're like, see, they were hoarding talent, so now they can't hold on. It's like, yeah, but they paid them how much money for the past year or whatever since they started hoarding talent? Oh, like, yeah. These people Gallows have been making Anderson. so much money. These mm-hmm. lower, A lot of these lower-tier people in WWE are making more money than anyone else in any other company. Well, um, and... And okay, I feel the, like that's one thing that some people don't understand either, which is funny because that actually came out, I don't know, a few months ago. I remember Tyler Breeze on Twitter. Someone was had, you know, heckled him about something and not you know him not being used or something and he basically responded he's like you have no idea how much money we you know I, i'm getting paid to do whatever i do it, it was something like that i don't remember exactly the way the thing yeah. was but it's like i feel like that's just a misconception people in wwe especially now like you you make a lot of money working for wwe so if maybe some of these people were hoarded talent for a while yeah. Yeah. They made a lot of money being that yeah, hoarded talent. And, so I don't feel like that's necessarily a slight on WWE. Right. And well that's I was about to say, like, I think this is more just exposing their unsustainable business practice, which sure, is just sure, paying sure. everyone and their brother three times their worth. Right. Just to keep them from going somewhere else because you're big enough to do that. Gallows and Anderson are laughing all the way to the bank right now. I mean, they got paid so much money to do pretty much nothing. Yeah. Outside of whatever they would do with AJ Styles, they didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Or, well, and and the caveat, you know, when you see how much a WWE superstar makes is, well, yeah, but they're also independent contractors, which is ludicrous. Yeah, that that means they have to they have to pay their own way for travel, for hotel, for stuff like that. Yeah. And again, so, you know, you're like, oh, that doesn't go as far as it used to, except like 
I don't think a lot of these people were traveling every week because they certainly weren't on TV. So, like, yeah, if you're Zack Ryder, you have a dark match occasionally. You're on TV like once every four months. You're getting paid a lot of money probably not having to go to Raw every week. Like, you, yeah. you, you know, you save more than you would if the roster was smaller and they needed a jobber every week and you're traveling every yeah. week. I mean, look, this is a crappy situation for these guys to be in. Sure. I don't think we're belittling yeah, no, that. Definitely. I think we're just – we are not the podcast that's going to be like, this is why Vince McMahon is a horrible person. And like, ironically, at least for me, I've been half anti-WWE my entire life anyway. So yeah. if you think it'd be anyone, <laughs> it would be me. But it's like, I think I think that's, I think some of it is, I think some of it's warranted. Some of the uh, complaints and some of the criticism is warranted for sure. But I think, I think some of it's not at the same time. Well, again, like. The blood money pay-per-views in Saudi Arabia. I think, yeah, I think that's If that worse. didn't do it for you, I don't see why this is going to do it for you. There was the, – the latest episode of Dark Side of the Ring came out this week. I don't know if you watched that or not. I, I've only watched the Benoit one so far. Okay. I haven't watched the others yet. Well, this is – so we're a little bit of a tangent here, but that's good. Everyone should watch it. It's about Superfly Jimmy Snuka and how he absolutely killed his girlfriend and Vince McMahon may or may not have helped cover that up. And then he went on to make Vince a lot more money. It's it's pretty dark. It's weird to watch the show Dark Side of the Ring when they try to go from Chris Benoit, you know, the wrestling legend who murdered his wife and son and then killed himself. WWE did a tribute show to him and then found out all of that and wiped him from the record books. Right. That's just that's dark and that's worth a two-part episode on a show called dark side of the ring sure. you know the next episode they aired mark was that the new jack one it was the brawl for all the brawl for all yeah yeah yeah. yeah. you yeah. can't go from crispin Watt to the <laughs> brawl for all we covered hey, that on this show that was yeah. a very silly thing that happened we checked that out two years ago go back to like episode like four or five of our right. show and and you can listen all you can hear all about brawl for all because it because it was a ridiculous thing that happened. You can't compare those two things. Yeah. Superfly Jimmy Snuka in his relationship with his girlfriend, who died mysteriously of something a heck of a lot like a beating and blunt force trauma, that was pretty dark. And they talk about that. And they talk about how like Vince sat down in a closed door like meeting with the investigators and the police officers. And then he came out and he looked at Jimmy Snuka and he's like, hey, you're good. Don't worry about it. And then they just kept right on trucking. Like stuff like that is why you hate Vince McMahon. Yeah. Letting some wrestlers go in the middle of the biggest pandemic the world has seen in a hundred years. Every other company on the face of the planet for the most part is doing the same. Weird yeah. place to draw the line. Yeah. yeah. So I agree. Number one, we're not going to be super mad. Number two, watch that episode about Jimmy Snuka. Cause it is super interesting and it's real weird to see Tamina in any matches after that. Cause you're like, I'm pretty sure you're just here. Cause you're, your dad but mm -hmm. all right that's cool yeah, whatever yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny that now she's getting a push exactly <laughs> i was like why is that the time like because that what happened was like xfl filed for bankruptcy that aired and then wwe started firing everybody and then yeah. friday night tamina snooka won the number one contendership and you're just like man vince read the room that's <laughs> that was a lot that's a, a lot to happen in one week i just i don't know but so now we talked about this a little bit before we came on the air like oh weird stuff 
happening in wrestling and maybe you know like who knows if we run out of wrestling topics we'll just we'll make this a podcast about community but here's the, the greatest thing. tv show of all time check it out it's on netflix right now yeah we we talked about it for like 30 minutes before we started recording because i did. started rewatching it but anyway mark quarantine wrestling is about to generate like three times the number of nonsense angles feuds and matches do you know what they're doing for Money in the Bank this year? Have you I, heard about I heard, this? I heard about it. Yeah, it's uh, – <sighs> boy, that that sounds – again, I, I, like I'm with you. I, I saw I, you tweet it. It was like all I want – yeah, all I want is just – we just need Big Show to fall off the roof of the – of you know, listen. Of, of the WWE headquarters and, and then Hulk Hogan to just stare in disbelief. That, that's what Let's, we need. Unfortunately, we don't have Bobby the Brain Heenan with us anymore. To, 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 you know, be wondering, someone go check on him! Someone go check on him! So, hang on. For those of you who might not know what Mark is referring to, normally you have your money in the bank. talking about when Big Show died. On right. Live, on a live pay-per-view. We did an episode about it. And then rose great. from the dead, and no one mentioned it. It was a really good time. But the reasons, I was going to say the reason you're bringing that up right now, like normally money in the bank, ladder match. Right. You got to climb the ladder in the middle of the ring. Get the briefcase that has the money in the bank contract, which gets you a title shot whenever you want it. This year, they looked around and said, well, we we should probably try to do something different since we can't have matches in front of people anymore. And what they decided to do was suspend the briefcase on top of the WWE corporate headquarters in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So you don't it's not a ladder match where you fight your way up the ladder. It is a match where you fight your way up to the top of the building. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Okay, look, I, I have seen nothing with WWE whatsoever in the past couple of weeks, since WrestleMania. I haven't watched a single anything. Um, it, it, uh, so, again, all I, I heard about this whole thing, oh, we're going to have on the roof, money in the bank, that. Now, from what you just said, are they starting at the bottom of, I was under the impression of the headquarters and having to fight up the staircases through the offices all the way to get to the roof and then going up to the top even further. I was under the impression it was the would entire be amazing. Build. Yeah, I was. Under, I'm under. The, I could be wrong. Maybe I because I've just I've gathered this information online too. But I was under the impression it is the entire building from floor to ceiling. Like you know those old. The, the old commercial they did at WWE headquarters that was like spoofing the This Is Sports Center commercials. Yeah. It's going to be like that. Uh, okay, it's I'm, be, I'm that's in. That's the money I'm in, in the bank I'm, match. I'm in 100%. If that, if that happens, I'm all in. Right? I'm so I, in. But either way, what an insane, beautiful, stupid stipulation. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> and I otherwise wouldn't be. <laughs> I hope they continue to get weird and just push the envelope of what they can and can't get away with because like – well, one, it's not like the crowd can turn on any matches we put on because they're not here. So let number two, what else are we going to do? We got to try to get people's interest somehow. Yeah, Let's no, get I'm, weird. I'm like in. you talk about competition being good for wrestling. Right now, wrestling is competing with like just the fact that it's hard to put on a good wrestling show. They're competing with the quarantine. Yeah. it It's very exciting. We wouldn't have gotten the Firefly Funhouse in a normal year. I, I don't think they would have let them make that studio match. As as you know, as disappointing and all that stuff as the WrestleMania whatever is, like I'm I'm never gonna hate it because that match is worth it. Yeah. It's so, worth it. 
I don't know what else is going on in current events right now. I'll be honest with you. Me I know Tamina's fighting Bailey for the title. AEW's still been great. I've enjoyed that a lot. Uh, TV title tournament still yep, going they're on. They're doing right? that TNT uh, title cool. tournament. And it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, we got Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara coming up on uh, Wednesday. So that's going to be those guys right. tear it up. So that's every time they wrestle. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And Jericho's Gold. been doing commentary every week, and he's just Brilliant. wonderful, man. He's just <laughs> he's just wonderful. They had Cody do it, who was great, and now they have Jericho doing it, who's just great. I mean, he's channeling he's channeling a Bobby the Brain Heenan type. Mm-hmm. And and I love it. I I love it. It's it's yeah. he's really he's really good. He's really really good at it. And 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 I just like Tony Schiavone's my favorite out of all of them. So as much as you know, I enjoy Jr. and I really like Taz too. I I like ha- I like that Tony Schiavone's getting to be the main the main play by play guy just personally because I like him a lot. And then him mm-hmm. with, him with Jericho is the crazy nutso heel commentator uh, color commentator. It's just. It's a wonderful dynamic, and they've been putting on good shows. They they always have like a handful of wrestlers around the ring, um, just to give it give some noise. Mm-hmm. And it's they they put on they're doing a good job. They're putting on a good and entertaining you know fansless uh, show every every week, and I I enjoy it. So that Boy. that that I do still watch every week, but WWE I I haven't been. I miss NWA. That's the other thing we got to talk about, Harris. Mm-hmm. This would have been the Crockett Cup today. We're recording this on Sunday. We would be. At the Gateway Center Arena right now in College Park, uh, and I think it was going to start at 7, so it's 6.45 right now, and we, we would be in our seat about ready to watch Nick Aldis and Marty Skrull battle for the uh, NWA world title. It is uh, it's disappointing, man. It's really it's really sad. I was That, that was going to be oh, – I was so excited for that. Yeah, the only – I don't know if this is a good thing, but like at least – with the NWA, I feel like their costs were so low yeah. that hopefully this isn't going to like threaten their existence because they're you know they're a small like startup wrestling company. Oh, I yeah. don't know where all of their money is coming from and how much Billy Corgan has and if they're getting you know how much they're getting from YouTube and stuff. Hopefully, they're such a small operation that they've been able to go on hiatus and it not hurt their bottom line too much. But yeah, but it, with them, yeah. it's more the buzz of the whole yeah. thing. Like they've had to build up from nothing over the past year, less mm-hmm. than a year. They, they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've pretty much had to build up from nothing and were, then got a weekly successful show. People started mm-hmm. to watch it, started to get buzz was getting praise. No one, I didn't know anyone who did, who watched it that didn't like it. Everyone, in, yeah. everyone enjoyed it. And then they were gonna they were gonna culminate with this really big show, their biggest show ever, five thousand seat arena, brand new arena, mm-hmm. um, right at the airport, so easy access for people coming in. And you know, Nick Aldis, Marty Scroll, number two for the world title, been building it for months. Started building mm-hmm. it what in Jan? Uh, no, uh, at the hard time at the uh, hard times paper. Oh no, um, right the, the into the fire pay per view, the one we were at, the first one in December. Been building it since early December. So literally like a six month or five month build and then just whoop, rug straight out and all gone just like yeah. that. So I'm, I, you know, I, I feel bad. I feel bad for them a lot because they don't, they're trying to keep stuff going, but they, they don't have anything or access to anything. So right. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough for them compared to the other, the other companies for sure, which is, is disappointing. But anyway, had to mention that because that would have been today. That would have been right now going on. 
Anyway, you can check out my interview though with uh, Nick Aldis <laughs> on our YouTube page. It's also on our, everything today. It's also on our Instagram page. Go to the uh, IGTV tab, and it's all the way at the bottom, the full interview. I haven't posted the interview with Marty Scroll on YouTube because it was just audio, and I meant to, like, <laughs> I, I, I recorded the Nick Aldis one, and then I didn't record video of the Marty Scroll one. Don't ask me why. It was a weird day. And uh, <laughs> so I was going to put it up, like, put a picture and put it up, and then I just never did, and now it's like, well, that interview kind of doesn't matter, so... Funny. Nick Aldis still does because he talks about other stuff, not just the pay per view. Like he was, he was That's really funny. fun to talk about. Marty Scroll really just pitched a pay per view uh, the whole time, which is fine, um, but a little, little different. But anyway, you can listen to the full interviews though on the, I don't remember which episode it was. Yeah, back go back a few weeks in our episode list, and it, I have it labeled interview with the those those two. Anyway, so if you want to check those out there or on YouTube or Instagram. Anyway. Yeah, sad day for that. Um, I don't know. Have we rambled enough about all the insane I, I, wrestling stuff going on? I think so, man. It's a weird time. It's a weird it time for wrestling. It's it, you know, it's serious, but it's exciting. You got to find the silver linings where you can. Everybody got fired. Everybody go buy Zack Ryder's T-shirt on WWE or not WWEshop.com. <laughs> pro wrestling tees. <laughs> they all got pro wrestling tees deals like instantly. Yeah. The best one is – I don't know if you've seen these. I checked like immediately because that's just what we do now as wrestling fans. You're like, oh, man, when's their PWT stuff going to drop? But Heath right. Slater has one yeah. that looks exactly like his old shirt except it just says, I got fired yep. with a circle around it, which is pretty funny. That is pretty good. I'm excited for Rusev's. That's the one I'm I'm holding out on because he's the guy I think is the most wasted potential. And the second he drops some stuff on that site, I'm I'm gonna pick it up because he's dope. I'm not getting anything else. I have way too many wrestling shirts right now. And oh, I'm I trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to quit. I, I got I got some AEW stuff because I needed some mm-hmm. AEW stuff, and then after that, it's like eh, I need yeah. to. After I, I got to. my last round of getting a uh, Kazuchika Okada and and another Cody Rhodes. <laughs> shirt and it's like uh you know what i need to need to put the brakes on these things all right this will be the last thing i say and then we can get into the topic unless you have something else i'm probably gonna try because i also have too many i'm probably gonna try and start to unload mine now that tax season is over i'm gonna be like getting them breaking them out seeing what i want putting some on ebay so you know if you want them hit me up or i'll probably post a link to an ebay page at some point but my plan is to unload some of the ones i don't want so I can buy new ones because it's an unhealthy habit. But you know what are you gonna do? So stay yeah. tuned for that. If I got you, a bunch. You know. I need to. I got some in the attic. Like yeah, I got. I got stuff all yeah, over the place. It's a lot. I need to, I, that's that's plan, probably a good idea. My plan is literally. I just. I. I need the space. So my plan is to dump them for super cheap in bulk and just assume if I sell enough shirts at five bucks a pop, then I'll have a little bit of money from it. But it's. It's more about getting rid of them. So yeah. if you want a good deal, you can probably get one. That's all I got. I'm, the, I'm ready now to go the only issue are. is the thing that he's forgetting to mention is all it is is just John Cena and Bailey shirts. So oh, unless, no, I'm unless you're those, a, dude. unless you're I'm a six those. year old kid, you're not gonna want any of Harris's stuff. I'm still waiting. I got I got my Trump bucks. I got my stimulus money. I'm looking for one of those Bailey jackets at a decent <laughs> price. <laughs> Hadn't happened yet. Oh my gosh, you're such an idiot. Because here's the thing about this. Is, I okay. I we're really going down the rabbit hole here. The thing about a Bailey chalk line jacket, which is this obnoxiously cartoon looking thing, is you don't buy one of those unless you're a big enough Bailey fan to want to keep it. You know what I mean? 
Like if sure. you buy a, like a, another wrestler's shirt, you might like like it and then get tired of it and sell it. If you buy a Bailey jacket, you're hardcore and you're going to keep it. You're not going to sell it on eBay. <laughs> That's my entire problem. That's why I can't find one. <laughs> Oh man. Well, that is a fair point. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I'll give you that. Like it makes sense, right? It's all people like me or Izzy who are like, no, I actually really like this performer. That's why I bought it in the first place. It's not like a casual wrestling fans purchase (laughs) like a John Cena shirt would be. Oh man. Stay tuned. Keep you posted. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to wrestling shirt weekly. Mm. Um, and uh yeah no okay all right well we do have a real topic i think i hope harris does and uh <laughs> so yep. i guess we can get into that our crazy wrestling history topic it. and so harris have at it lay, lay it on me all right so we, we touched on this a little bit today They're like you know these guys who get released it's it's hard for them it's unfair to them and you could make an argument th- this is definitely one of the worst weeks in wrestling history in terms of firings releases employees done dirty by wwe but the wrestler we're going to talk about today i think has an argument if not at the top of the list to be in the top five of like worst treated least well utilized most screwed over by the system wrestlers of all time wow it's yeah this is going to be one of those episodes where yeah, some weird stuff happens, but some like pretty entertaining stuff happens too, and it just takes turns in ways that it probably shouldn't have, and ways that weren't fair to the performers and the writers involved. And uh, I don't know. We'll see who's the victim here at the end of all this. Let's okay. just let's okay. let's put it that way. So, Mark, if I were to tell you that in September of 2005, WWE released a man by the name of Mark Julian Copani that ring any bells for you is that a name you're super familiar with in wrestling Uh, history unless it's like mark jindrak no no well so i only say that because you know you see um on the wwe page you see people get released and they'll do this thing where they list their real name in the future endeavors email right right and everyone's like uh who like that's his name (laughs) interesting and sometimes you're like well you didn't do a lot of work with that and sometimes you're like huh all right mark Copani was released in September of 2005. He he joined the company. He started out in Ohio Valley Wrestling OVW in 2002. And this is a pretty, you know, this is a hot time to be in OVW. This is early ruthless aggression era and he was wrestling there under the name of Mark Magnus. Okay. If you haven't heard of Mark Copani, I'm going to be honest with you, you probably haven't heard of Mark Magnus either. No. Unless you were just a huge, I've heard, I've heard of Magnus, aka yeah. Nick Aldis. Yeah, but no, no, not not Mark Magnus. That's an awesome name though, and I wish I had come up with it. It's a yeah, it is pretty good, especially good for name. you. But yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's not Magnus. It's not related to Magnus at all in any way. It's just a cool sounding name. So he started off in 2002. He held the OVW title briefly in 2003, and then he got the call from WWE. In 2004. Uh, here's the thing. This was a different time for WWE. This was a different time for their developmental territory. Obviously, OVW wasn't in the national or the internet spotlight like NXT. Sure. It, it wasn't like the cool, trendy place to be that all of the smart marks knew about 
and followed on a weekly basis. It, it wasn't even where, you know, like first or second year NXT was, which is just like on the internet for free and like then occasionally a pay-per-view. If you don't like live in Ohio, you're not watching these shows. You don't really know who these people are. No. So Mark Magnus is not getting called up because WWE are super impressed with his work and all the smart marks love him and they want to hot shot him into the field. Mark Magnus is getting called up because they said, hey, uh, we need somebody to play an Arab American character. Who have you got? I imagine Mark Magnus said something along the lines of, I mean, I'm Italian. I'm, I'm full-blooded Italian. And they were like, yeah, but you're brown, so come on. Let's do it. <laughs> and Mark Magnus made his December debut as Muhammad Hassan. Oh, boy. The jilted Arab-American wrestler. Oh, oh no. Um, yeah, this one I thought of before. This, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Buckle up, mm-hmm. people. Buckle up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I got to so... I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hunker down for this one. <laughs> I thought you were about to actually buckle something up. Yeah, I don't. I don't have something to buckle. I wish I did. It's a whole thing. So, I might have to go get some coffee or something. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, the Iraq <laughs> War was going on at the time. It's kind of a whole thing. It's a little Pretty fresh deal. Too. And yeah, a little fresh. WWE. WWE. You know, did the did the timeless wrestling tradition of saying well uh we got to have a foreign character we got to have us an arab to throw out there so people can you know get all this animosity out and i think of you know the the even more classic example and slightly less infamous example is like sergeant slaughter turning heel (laughs) in the first iraq war and becoming an iraqi sympathizer and just being an out and out like i hate america now and i actually love iraq and i'll go fight for them and like that was their whole thing, and it worked. Yeah, people got super mad. That's what's funny, and we'll we'll touch on this a little bit. Like, as transparently like dumb and condescending as it is when WWE does this, every single time they do it, it works. It works. So I'm like, man, I <laughs> I do get it. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to be too mad about them, but we'll we'll get to more of that later. We'll let you be the judge of whether or not it's <laughs> fair to judge them for this particular angle. So he's called up in December of 2004. And an interesting thing to notice when you're researching Muhammad Hassan on the network is all of his stuff is on the network. Like it's there. Yeah. But it's not ever mentioned by name for any of these segments. So I'll Good grief. They're giving him a Chris Benoit treatment. They are. And well, again, we're going to get into why this particular promising up and coming wrestler with an Arab American gimmick might not be featured on the network anymore. But so it'll say like, for example, when he makes his debut, the segment is just called Mick Foley returns to raw. Right. And ultimately he comes out and interrupts him, but I'll get, I'll, I'll tell you more what they are as we go along, because it's just, it's weirdly, it's very obvious when you know what you're looking for. And it's very clearly set up so that you could never stumble upon this guy by accident. <laughs> like that's their thinking. Yeah. But Mick Foley comes out and he's plugging his book, but it's not just about the book. Like, <laughs> okay, this is neither here nor there. But like as part of his promo, like talking about the book, he's promoting his book and then he's promoting his visit 
like the the next week's episode of SmackDown is going to be like a tribute to the troops show. Because, again, Iraq war is going on, a lot of patriotism. At one point, this has nothing to do with Muhammad Hassan, but Mick Foley tries to get the cheap pop, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm not a big pro-war guy, but I'm happy to support the troops, you know? But, like, I'll be honest, I am, you know, I'm, I'm, well, let's put it this way. You know, I still have a bunch of uh, John Kerry for President bumper stickers in my car, right? And the crowd goes... Boo! Because he's doing this in Huntsville, Alabama. Right. That's where they're filming Raw this week. And I genuinely, I can't tell if he was just needling the crowd a little bit because he's probably a little bit more of a peacenik than they are. Or if he just didn't know where he was or what their political affiliations are. Because he name drops John Kerry, the crowd boos, and then he's like, okay, I guess we're in a red state, huh? And then he just keeps going with the promo. It's really weird. And I don't hey, know if see, he's just that, that's where him. that's where Mick Foley's whole cheap pop uh, backfires there. Cause that, exactly. that, was, that was part of the character. No, like that was literally part of his character was doing cheap pops on purpose, knowing they're the right. cheap late, you know, the lazy cheap pops. That was part of his, his gimmick a little bit, well, actually. So right. that's even so funnier. It, yeah. And like you can't t- I don't know if he just goofed and like messed up or if he's just messing with the crowd. But either way, it's very fun. It's it's just a funny, weird little moment. And it really shows you, like, the moment we're in in American, like, political history. <laughs> but he's talking about, you know, putting on the show for the troops. And we can all agree that the troops are great, whether we agree with this war or not. And then he's interrupted by just just the most. Like, if I were to say, hey, Mark, just imagine a super stereotypical Muslim song. <laughs> oh, no, I, all- I'm well aware. I already know. You you hear it in oh, your I'm ear well right now. Again, I, I've been playing, or well, I haven't now in, a, in a, about a month or so, but I was playing SmackDown vs. Raw 2006 uh, <laughs> pretty pretty regularly for uh, you know a few weeks in there before I got bored. But uh, oh yeah, no, I've I, I'm, I've heard it very recently. Like if you if you're not familiar with Muhammad Hassan, and I just say like Muslim song. And the first place your mind goes is hello, 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 that's what hello, it is. like just that's, that's what, what it is. is. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Hundred percent. It's not clever or original or intelligent or you know good. It, it's just no. it's that. No, no, no. To like, be oh, fair the... though, Harris, that is wrestling. That's the whole right, point. Exactly. And, and actually, you've actually heard. <laughs> I've heard this from several people. Wrestling is not the place for subtlety. <laughs> it's not the place for subtlety well, it's not the place really for a lot of nuance eric bischoff i listen to his podcast pretty much every week i love 83 weeks but he he said it multiple times where he's like wrestling is not the best place for like nuance and storytelling because you miss it and the whole thing is to go big over the top mm. and obvious like that is the formula for wrestling so to be fair mm. now i'm not, again the i i Aside from the fact that it shouldn't have be been done in the first place, right. once you are doing it, I mean, you. This is kind of the way. This is wrestling. Yeah, Sorry, kind of going for it, right? You know, you gotta, you gotta just kind of. Okay. No, I, go, I, I definitely, I get that. It's just you hear it and you're like, oh, geez, here we go. Like it screams. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, here comes the muscle. Oh yeah. You're right? like, oh boy. But here's, okay, here's where I have to quibble with you a little bit because, to WWE's eternal credit, and I'm gonna beat this drum a lot in this episode. They did not make him like 
the Iron Sheik. Right. Muhammad Hassan is not Nikolai Volkov, like the evil foreigner who's invaded America to beat up your heroes and destroy your way he's of life. Also, he's also not anywhere near Nikolai Volkov, who's one of the greatest well. <laughs> heels of all time. But Okay, but I'm just talking in terms of Nikolai character. Volkov lived as a Russian for like 30 years. Like, <laughs> like other wrestlers didn't know he wasn't Russian. Like that dude, man, you talk about ultimate... Uh, commitment to kayfabe Nikolai Volkov has to be at least in the top group all time okay I'm really glad you said that it's neither here nor there it's just I like Nikolai Volkov now he's a pastor in North Carolina who knew you know okay I'm really glad you said that because I'm going to touch on one or two of those things as we go on but oh okay as a character Muhammad Hassan is not this evil Iraqi who's a terrorist and he's here to fight all the American heroes Muhammad Hassan the character is a guy that was born and raised in America. And the reason that he's a heel is because after 9-11, he started experiencing way more prejudice as a Muslim American. Sure. That's his entire gimmick. And I, you sit there and you hear his music, which is just the most like, I am an Arab man, I come here to attack. Like, it's yep. just, it's so stereotypical and like cliched and lazy. And then he comes out and you hear him talk and you're like, huh, that's different. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really, I, it, it's great. It's super interesting. And it's like, he's still a heel. Don't get me wrong. He's not subtle. But that particular part of like his origin story is pretty nuanced, and I really sure. like it. It's different because it would have been so easy for them to just make him an Iraqi dude. Yeah. And instead, he comes out and he's cutting this promo on Mick Foley, and he's talking about how evil and racist America is, and how much bigotry he's been exposed to since 9/11 happened. And you're like, that's all right. That's that's different. Like that's a new way to approach this. And then, of course, because you're right, like wrestling is not the place for shades of gray. He says. And I don't. I hate America, and more importantly, Mick Foley. I hate the troops. Yep. And the troops are all a bunch of low-down cowards. And you're like, ah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got an interesting angle, and we just veered off the side of the road. And we're. It's li- he's literally attacking the troops. Yeah. And Mick Foley is like, hey, man. First of all, <laughs> Mick Foley just said he voted for John Kerry. Like he's probably sympathetic to you at first. Right. And then you had to badmouth the troops, and Mick Foley's like, all right, he cuts the most, like, dyed-in-the-wool, red, white, and blue, cheap pop promo you've ever seen. He's like, you better listen to me, man. These people are dying and fighting and bleeding for you. I got a friend who lost a leg in Iraq, and Nathan Hale was hanged by the British so you could stand here and say the things you're saying. Wow, we're going all the way back to Nathan Hale. Good grief. (laughs) Half these people he's aren't like, even going to know what that is. He's like, but your rights end when you step into this ring with me. And if you come in here and you say something like that again, there will be consequences. And the crowd just goes nuts. Dude, I'm already and hyped Muhammad up. Hassan, uh, you, you just said cliff notes of his promo, and I'm already hyped up. Dude, that sounds good, great. It's a, it's a very good little like black and white America troops promo from both of them. I'm all for it. And then Muhammad Hassan, classic heel move, is like, you know what? I'm not going to get in the ring with you, Mick Foley, because yes. I only fight people that I respect. And nice. you're just like, ah, yes. How can he not respect Mick Foley? That's the worst. I hate him. It's, I love it's it. great, honestly, Mark. It's not bad. This dude, like, you can, you know, he just got called up. He's being given some pretty cliche stuff to work with. He's good at his job. Yeah, he's there to get heat, and he knows it, and he does it well. So now 
we have this guy, Muhammad Hassan, in the WWE universe. And a few weeks later, we have him scheduled for a debate with Jerry the King Lawler and good old JR. Sure. Okay. First of all, this is the second time we've brought up a debate on this show (laughs) is it and both of them involve the iraq war which is hilarious wait what was the other what was the other one i forget the only other one i remember is the one with r-truth and uh and little jimmy oh okay so we've done three then i don't remember what the episode was about mark but at least i think that was done this i think it was was scott steiner and like some like proto Damian Sandow whose name I don't even remember, but his whole thing was like he was a Harvard grad and he was here to talk about why the Iraq war is bad. And Scott Steiner was his counterpoint. And it was like, <laughs> no, it's not big Papa pump America, big sexy. Let's blow them up. <laughs> and it was great. It was madness, but it's very sports yeah. entertaining. So two of the three debates that I'm aware of in wrestling history center around the Iraq war, which again, kind of shows you where we were as a country mark it's absolutely hysterical i want more debates in wrestling because they're just promo segments they're just like there's too many talk show segments and not enough debate segments the same thing's going to happen they're going to talk at one another and then there's going to be a fight but like the pretentiousness of it and the fact that we have two podiums and a moderator and we're posing questions like it's a big boy presidential debate is absolutely hysterical. I love it, and I want more of it. And the image, the image of Muhammad Hassan, it's like the Muhammad Hassan has a manager, right? A guy named Davari. He's oh, yeah. speaking Arab yep. on the sides, you know, stalking mm-hmm. around. You've seen heel wrestlers. You know how this goes. And they're squaring off at the podium, not against another wrestler like Scott Steiner or you know, like some like Hulk Hogan, like an Americana. They're squaring off against Jerry Lawler and Jr. And it's hilarious to see the two of them <laughs> working together, like on the same page, because you're so used to them being like yin and yang, like straight man and goofy man, face and heel. And to see them like standing together is weirdly inspiring, even if it's against something as stupid as Muhammad Hassan, the Arab American who hates America. <laughs> <laughs> So they're standing together, you know, and the moderator says, "Okay, so we're going to have this debate. We're going to pose a question first to Mr. Hassan and then Jerry Lawler will get to rebut. And you're like, great. The voice of reason, Jerry Lawler, really bringing the. All right. So (laughs) the first. Yeah. the, The first question is, Mr. Hassan. Do you feel that Arab Americans have been unfairly persecuted in America in the aftermath of 9 11? Which is, like, not a debate question at all. Uh, no, it's not. But it's great because Hassan just All right, this is a debate. Off. Now, right off the start, uh, what's your opinion? And then you're just like, um, I don't think that's how you start off. But, right. you know, that's fine. That's well, then when the other side of the coin is like, yeah, Jerry and JR would definitely know a lot about the plight of Arab Americans in America. But Oh, of course. Massive <laughs> so Hassan, experts over here. He just goes off. It's like a four-minute promo about how, you know, America is a racist country. It's an inherently racist place founded on slavery. And Americans are using 9-11 as an excuse to express the racism that they already felt about Arab Americans. And he's just on and on and on. And it's – This is great. I'm all for it, man. That's that's it, heel 101. I'm all exactly. for it like that. 
And it would have been it's too, like it's you know it, it, and again it's one of those things yeah no no that no that 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 works anything where you can insult the fans is the best yeah. possible heel tactic and like the direction he takes it is so comically over the top like right, said, right. it's not subtle at all it's great heel work but also again the fact that it would have been so easy for them to just have him say oh i'm the evil foreigner and america sucks and this and that it, that that would have been the easy way out, and instead, the fact that he is an American who's like totally disillusioned and hates America is just so much more interesting to me. Yeah. And he's theoretically been like subject to all this bigotry by Americans, which is why he feels this way and has like he's clearly like demented. But like the fact that like people were racist to him after nine eleven, and that's why he's gotten to this point. There's enough meat there for like an intelligent adult to be like, huh. That's an interesting point. I wouldn't have expected them to go there with it. But of course, mm-hmm. you know, this is the, the, the line I literally wrote like verbatim. He says Americans are using 9-11 to justify their own bigotry. And that's when you're like, all right, this is this is an insane man. But it's great. Yep, yep, yep. It's so over the top, you know, and he goes off for a couple minutes and then finally winds down. And then we cut to the voice of reason in this situation, <laughs> which is, of course, Jerry, the King Wall, you know, <laughs> who gives like. Again, it would have been so easy to just be like foreign man, bad American man, good. But he gives like the most sound and well thought out and articulate and understanding response easily that's ever come out of his mouth. Certainly in character, probably out of character. Eh, I don't agree with that. He gets a lot of flack. Uh, He's not nearly as much of his character as a lot of people think he is. That's okay. That's fair. But. On WWE television as Jerry the King Lawler, this (laughs) absolute lunatic of a man. This this character is not one for um, competent, uh, coherent statements, I think. Yeah, maturity Uh, in any form. Right, that's not, yeah, that's not what he's here for. No, definitely not. Right, so, but they cut to him and he says, look, are there racists in America? Yeah, absolutely. But listen, there are going to be racist and idiots in every nation on earth. And he's like, listen, if you had come out here and you feel like you mistreated and you want to come out here and you want to talk about how you've been mistreated, I would be willing to listen to that. Sure. I get that. But that's not what you did. Instead, you came out and you called the troops stinking cowards. And I don't think people have a problem with you because you're an Arab American. I think people have a problem with you because you're a loudmouth jackass. And the crowd goes absolutely <laughs> bananas. And you're just okay, like that. That's that's like an all time fantastic line right there. That, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know where he's going like immediately. But again, you're just uh, watching this in 2020. You're like, they didn't make him the bad guy because he's Arab. And not only that, they're really going out of their way to make sure like hey, this is not a foreign bad guy. This is a deluded bad guy, and we understand the difference. And that's pretty cool. Like, it's yeah. good to see that. And again, Muhammad Hassan as a character, not subtle at all. He's insulting the troops. Like, it's literally the cheapest heat you can get. Right. But the approach, like the angle they're taking on it is super interesting and like weirdly mature. And I respect them a lot for it. Like, I will continue to give them credit for that. So at that point, uh, he just he he cut Hassan cuts pretty much the same promo on Jr. Because mm-hmm. again, it's Jerry and Jr. back to back against this. It's it's a weird moment, but he goes off on Jr. and he's like, you know, Jr. 
I hate deep down. I know deep down that you hate that I'm just as American as you, that I'm just American as apple pie or Mickey Mantle or your Oklahoma Sooners. And I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I mean, I think one of those things is not quite like the others, but that's fine. But, you know, so JR says the same thing and then they start brawling and Muhammad Hassan takes his belt off and starts like beating him with his belt, but not like whipping them. Like he wraps it around his hand, like it's brass knuckles and he's punching them with the buckle, which is weird. But then like, it's just, it's, it's bananas and it's completely over the top. Jerry gets knocked out of the ring. He blades at some point because they're choking out JR with the belt. Jerry comes back into the ring. He's bleeding like all over his face. And you're just like, why did they do this for this angle? What is happening? He fights them off with his own belt. And now they're staring each other down and like a bloody Jerry bends over to tend to JR and make sure he's okay. And it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen just because of that juxtaposition and the fact that you're like, why? I guess they're teaming up now and I get it. And it's kind of poignant to see them stand up for America together like this. But also, why is this the angle that Jerry was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll bleed for this for sure. It's wild. It's sure. it's absolutely bizarre. But again, hey, uh, up until uh, no, this 2005, point, wait, wait, is this uh, still 2004 or is this 2005? This is early 2005. This is okay. January 2005. Yeah. This is when WWE was just bleeding all over the place. Oh, like, just th- bleeding th- everywhere. Oh, this okay. was more like WWE, uh, like this is almost as extreme as they would get. Like this is, mm. it's still pretty wild at this point. I mean, the okay. next year we're having Kelly Kelly strip on ECW. Right. In 2006. Like if you watch matches from this time period now, I like this, this like 2005 era. Like I think it was, there's a lot of really good stuff. There's great stuff happening. But it is brutal. Like there's a lot of blood, a lot of hardcore stuff. Like that was, that was the, the type of angle they were in. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so, so that doesn't really surprise me that we're we're seeing color in a little like scuffle in the rain, you know, during a debate. I think it's just, it's the blood, which you don't see a lot. It's also the fact that it's an announcer doing it, like an sure, older sure. announcer getting busted open. Even though it's still open. a wrestler. Like, right, right, Jerry right, Lawler still wrestles like now, right. and he's like 73 years old. But it is pretty funny still. So, yeah. yeah, this is one of those topics that as you're researching it, it's wild because there's so much like legitimately all-time great wrestling happening all around it yeah, in the middle yeah, of this yeah. insanity. But this, so this is like Eric Bischoff is back. He's running the show. He's just introduced, like they have a big title match in the Elimination Chamber. This is like prime Triple H, prime Batista turning on Triple H at WrestleMania. John mm-hmm. Cena's really hot right now. Like all of this like really definitive ruthless aggression era stuff is happening. And we also have Muhammad Hassan's debut match against Jerry the King Lawler at New Year's <laughs> Revolution. So. Awesome. Um. For some reason, I guess it makes sense because Muhammad Hassan has Davari, his manager, in his corner for this match against Jerry the King Lawler. JR says, well, I'll accompany Jerry to the ring and be his manager at ringside and keep everything fair and square. Um, on the one hand, in kayfabe, I appreciate this because most of the time baby faces are stupid and just ignore <laughs> the manager and then lose a match. And they're like, what? And you're like, That's yeah, true, I don't know yeah. what you thought was going to happen. So I appreciate that J.R. is like, no, I've seen enough of these matches to know this guy's going to cheat. I have to be there to offset the cheating. That makes sense. What doesn't make sense is they don't have anyone replace him at commentary. 
So Jerry, the King Lawler, and Muhammad Hassan, who spent like a year and a half in developmental before this, have like what feels like a 15-minute match with absolutely no commentary whatsoever. That, that's so weird. It, yep. <laughs> that's so weird. And it's They should it's have had fun. Jerry Lawler commentate the match, just like he right. did on that one episode of Raw. And it's when he was commentating the match as he was wrestling, which is still one of the that, greatest things ever. That's the kind of thing that, like, I would. Re- I was really looking forward to hearing Jerry and Jr. call. Mm-hmm. And I think they would have had some really good stuff, but like, they can't do it because they're both involved in the match. And I get that, but like, when they got beat up a few weeks before on Raw after the debate, they they sold it and they put Coachman in their spot. So you come back from the commercial break. And Coachman is sitting there at commentary, and he's like, wow, that was crazy. Anyway, let's move on. Right. And he, like, replaces them. Sure. Why you don't do that again, I have no idea. Because it's a pretty boring match. Davari cheats a lot. JR tries to counter, you know, counter cheat. But eventually, Davari, like, distracts the ref enough. And Muhammad Hassan gets, like, the roll-up and beats Jerry Lawler. And you're like, oh, okay, you know, it's annoying. But the match isn't super exciting. But, like, you get it. You know what I mean? And he's doing the heel. It's heel wrestling 101. And again, the dude is good at it. And from this point on, he goes on a re, like a really solid run of the mill up and coming heel run. Mm-hmm. So he has an undefeated streak, right? Where he beats wrestlers. And at first they're guys you never heard of, but eventually he starts making his way up the card and he's beating wrestlers and he's cheating to win. But you know, sure, he's a sure. heel. You expect that he's getting a lot of heat. So he he beats people like the Hurricane, sorry Mark, and I hate him. 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 He beats Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho at some point. Like he's he's not just beating a bunch of jabronis. He's not making his way up the card super quickly, but like he's got that spot, for example, in the Royal Rumble where he gets into the ring and makes a big show of himself, and then everyone in the ring goes, "Nope," and they throw (laughs) him out all at once. That's a great spot to be in too. It is exactly. And the crowd pops huge for it. They love it because everyone hates this guy. And he's got the spot at WrestleMania where he comes out and he starts bullying somebody with Davari. And then the returning legend Hulk Hogan comes in and beats him up and makes the save and the crowd goes nuts. And again, like this is something that we can complain about sometimes as modern wrestlers. If you want to see a guy get a push, but you, you you, you touched on this a little bit. This is a push. Right. They don't give that spot to just anybody. Right. When they are giving you that spot in the Rumble, when they are giving you that spot Especially at WrestleMania. Especially with a character like this. That isn't like, mm-hmm. oh, he's going to be wrestling for the world champion. You know, it's not like that type of thing. So, right. It, you know, so it, it's it's a different type of push than right. like, what a lot of other people might say. What, what he's doing, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what his job is, and he's doing it very well. That's That's my point. So for the next... Six months or so, this is kind of the run that he goes on. And like, if it, if it feels like I'm glossing over a lot of this guy's careers, because a lot of it was just really solid, like mid-card, upper-mid-card heel work. Yeah. It's done really well. He's getting heat. He knows what his job is. And like I said, it's not subtle, but there's enough there. Like I said, the angle that they take, I'm an Arab-American who was born and raised here, and I used to love America just like you. But then I've experienced all this persecution and now I hate you and I hate America. That's interesting. And that's enough of like a mature angle for you to really sink your teeth into. And guess what? At some point down the line, they could have a great moment where he turns babyface and is like, no, you know what? 
I'm an Arab American and I love this country and all the stuff that I've been through. That's not America. I can stand for America just like you can and be like a really over baby face. Yeah. And there's a lot of potential in this character. That's mostly the, the point I'm trying to get at over the next few months. And he starts to creep his way as a heel up the card. And he sniffs the icy title scene a little bit. And he has a match with John Cena for the title. And like he loses because it's John Cena in 2005. But again, you're a young up and coming heel. He's been in the company six months. This is exactly where you want to be, man. Yeah. They see a lot of promise in this guy. They are ready to push him. And then in July of 2005, he starts a feud with The Undertaker. And this is where it all goes off the rails. So in storyline, um, there's a six-man tag match that's for the number one contendership. Uh, it comes down to Muhammad Hassan and The Undertaker. And you know, long story short, it, it gets thrown out. There's shenanigans. Undertaker got DQ'd. Muhammad Hassan says you know, he, he wasn't pinned or eliminated. He should have won the match. And Teddy Long says, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll have you two fight in a one-on-one -on -one match for the number one contendership for Batista's world title at, the, where else, the Great American Bash pay-per-view. Perfect, right? Sure. And as a way to build hype for this match, uh, he puts Davari, Muhammad Hassan's manager, in a singles match that night, one-on-one -on -one with The Undertaker. Playa. So, okay. again, this is all... It's all super typical wrestling, man. You've seen this playbook a thousand times. This is the guy who's been making his way up the card, cheating to use his manager. All this different kind of stuff is happening. Now, we're not going to give away the pay-per-view match, but we're going to tease it by having this guy fight this guy's friend. Tale as old as time. Right. Uh, believe it or not, Davari does not compete with The Undertaker very much in this match. Hmm. Uh, believe it or not, it's pretty much choke slam. Undertaker stares at Muhammad Hassan. Tombstone. Undertaker stares at Muhammad Hassan, and then the pin. Oh, and the match okay. is over. Yeah. Which is exactly what should happen, frankly. Right. Because right. Davari's not a you know he's not a wrestler. His job right. is to get killed. In fact, that was kind of the story all night. Was that his job was to get killed? And Muhammad Hassan actually said that he was going to be a necessary sacrifice. Mm -hmm. For Muhammad Hassan. He was going to be a sacrifice for the cause. Sure. And after Undertaker pins him, dead in the middle of the ring, Muhammad Hassan drops to his knees, spreads out both his arms, looks to the heavens, and begins to pray. Okay. And as he does this, five men wearing black turtlenecks, camo pants, combat boots— and black ski masks <laughs> rush into the ring, beat the crap out of the Undertaker, and then choke him unconscious with a piano wire. I, I'm I'm um, glad I'm glad that you've gotten to this because this is uh oh yeah it's I, I'm, like, I'm glad it's, I'm glad we've gotten to this. We have gone from the most like classic heel work classic heel wrestling booking you've ever seen in your life to an episode of 24 to something ripped from the headlines like i cannot stress this enough 
these look like five guys who would decapitate someone in a cave. <laughs> that is clearly what they're trying to evoke. That's sure. exactly what they're meant to be. They're terrorists. Right. So we have gone from Muhammad Hassan, the arrogant Arab American who's hates America because he thinks we're all racist to no, 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 no. He's a terrorist. You guys. And he's got terrorist <laughs> buddies. He's got terrorist henchmen. <laughs> Who come oh. out and strangle Undertaker with what is like absolutely a weapon. Like, you know, like you've seen it in spy movies. Somebody sits in the car and then there's the wire around yeah. them. Oh, yeah. No, and yeah, then I they're know, yeah. dead. It's not like a wrestling weapon, like a kendo stick. It's no. like they pulled a gun on him. It's right. like they're threatening to saw someone's head off in the middle of the ring. We went from zero and like not subtle heel work, but like a subtle <sighs> character and character motivations all the just straight to 11 straight terrorist he's a terrorist his buddies are terrorists they dress like terrorists and he and he's praying as they you know threaten to kill this man in the ring just straight up <laughs> mark makes total sense this was you know what else makes total sense from wwe's point of view this was on an episode of smackdown that was taped on july 4th <laughs> Which you see yeah. it and you're like, yeah, of course, that yes. that definitely tracks. You know, if that wasn't the case, I would be disappointed. <sighs> so, I, right. It better, it's, it's it on better July be on 4th. July 4th. It's on a July 4th taping for a show that's going to be at the Great American Bash. All of that makes sense. And look, is this stupid and offensive and over the line? Yes. Yes. Is this still, like, am I interested in this character and... Does he come from an interesting place and could this work as like cheap heel 101 that makes for some fun wrestling? Yes. Sure. Until I, I like I said this was taped on July 4th, 2005. It aired 3 days later and through no fault of WWE or poor Muhammad Hassan or the normal human being playing him on July 7th, 2005, four radical Islamic terrorists detonated bombs in the London underground, killed 52 people, injured hundreds of people. It was the deadliest terrorist attack on your on, on a United Kingdom soil. Really horrific event. And then this aired on SmackDown that night, that night, after like 10 <sighs> hours of coverage people dying in the underground and covered in dust and soot and crying and bleeding genuine 9-11 vibes and then you tune into smackdown uh. that night and you just want to see a little bit of wrestling and you see muhammad hassan the terrorist boy and his terrorist friends strangle the undertaker in the middle of the ring and people freaked <laughs> out oh and man listen if there's one thing so, man if there's one thing WWE has always been the absolute best with timing. Always. It's, this is the one thing, though, that's like, man, that really wasn't their fault. Like, it's a it's a wild okay, combination. Well, to be fair, it was their fault in the first place. Oh, yeah, but, no, the but angle's their fault. The, the timing aspect, sure. Correct. Yeah, that, that, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's an incredible combination of terrible misguided booking and terrible terrible timing yeah that is it's true. absolutely wild understandably people lost their minds uh, a lot of protests a lot of coverage the next day and this is 
it was fair. It was justified, but also like people only really like to talk about wrestling when it's wrestling embarrassing itself. Like that's oh, yeah, genuinely 100%. true. Negative wrestling news. That's our whole show. People, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you know, especially like, so, you know, people are eating that up. There's big stories in the New York post and it gets a lot of media attention on the back of obviously these horrific attacks that get a lot of attention. And now WWE is in kind of a weird spot. So what I'm going to do from this point on, from now until the great American bash is I'm going to tell you what happened, uh, in kayfabe. And then I'm going to tell you what really happened, like behind the scenes. So in kayfabe, right. in kayfabe, they just roll with it. And Muhammad Hassan is like, listen, everyone thinks th- this is ridiculous. I'm getting even more persecuted, even more bigotry in the streets now than ever before. Because people see me and they think, oh, hey, he's an Arab American. He must be a terrorist. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to appear on SmackDown this week because you people don't deserve me. Number one, classic heel response. Number two, people think you're a terrorist because your buddies in ski masks (laughs) look so much like terrorists, dude. Like you can't even plead ignorance on this anymore. You had to know that's what they look like. Why are you dressing them up like that? If they're just normal people like you. Just let it like don't don't dress him in the ski masks, mm-hmm. you know, but also classic heel move. Just say, you know what? I'm not going to be on the show because you people don't deserve. Oh, to yeah, see me. No, that's classic. Yeah. So he like he's not on the next week's episode of Smackdown, the go home episode of Smackdown before Great American Bash. He sends his lawyer to read a prepared statement that essentially says, you know, you stupid Americans are racist and hate me because I'm Arab American. I'm a better patriot than you. You're all racist. You suck. And the Undertaker sucks. And I'm going to beat him at Great American Bash. And then the Undertaker just annihilates this poor guy who's just doing his job. But, you know, go home show. You get it. And then the pay-per-view happens. And first of all, Muhammad Hassan is carried to the ring by his followers who are still dressed totally like terrorists, like so much like terrorists. And he's accompanied by his manager and he's fighting the undertaker and the undertaker is just the undertaker. He doesn't have like a squad or a posse or anything. Cause you know, why would he, he's the undertaker. And then they have a perfectly fine match. It's not, it's not ridiculous. It's not quite as weird as the one with no commentary that he had with Jerry Lawler a few months before, but it's not super hot. You know, it's just his manager cheats sometimes and his followers cheat sometimes. And, in the end, the Undertaker gets the upper hand. He, you know, he hulks up, he powers up, he sits up, whatever, pins him, and then he beats up all the followers one at a time. And as Muhammad Hassan tries to flee up the ramp, the Undertaker picks him up. He hits him with a last ride onto the ramp, which is a pretty mm, gnarly yeah, looking bump. It's a brutal bump. And then he picks him up, and he, well, first he, he, takes like the the stage apart so this is a big like custom made great american bash stage right Right. Mm -hmm. and he picks him up power bombs him through the stage onto the exposed concrete floor and then walks away and the spot is gnarly like they don't show him hit the ground they do that thing where like he disappears underneath the stage sure, sure and then they run up and film him so it's clearly like a crash pad that they moved right. or something but they cut to him and we see muhammad hassan like eight feet down where the stage meets the floor sprawled on top of a metal girder like the undertaker just broke his back like it's yeah. a devastating fall in kayfabe 
and he is rushed to a local medical facility and never seen again. Now, in kayfabe, this actually starts to make a little bit of sense because what he said before the match was he said, you people don't deserve to see me on SmackDown. I'm not coming to SmackDown. And guess what? If I lose this match to The Undertaker and I don't get my title shot against Batista at SummerSlam, you will never see me on SmackDown ever again. So in kayfabe, Teddy Long is like, well, yeah, he lost the match, so he can't come back to SmackDown. And you might think, well, hey, this is a great opportunity for him to, you know, they literally say SmackDown. So, oh, I guess he'll go to Raw, right? Or, you know, it'll be a few months and then he'll come back and he'll have a babyface turn or I I don't know, something. Because the thing is, like, this guy is good at his job. And the story they're telling, that's a unique story. And that's pretty interesting. And it's fun to see, like, again, he's he's a great over-the-top heel, but that's a fun little twist. And he's really good at what he's doing. Like before the match, he's cutting this promo, right? And he talks about like how, you know, as an Arab American, I know all about sacrifice. I sacrificed Davari to The Undertaker. I sacrificed my lawyer last week on SmackDown. I know what it means to suffer. And you're just like, man, that's the greatest heel line that I think I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that, that you know is what amazing. I mean? like, yeah. he, he gets it and it's getting heat and it's really working. But he never comes back. He's never on Raw. He's never a babyface. Muhammad Hassan, as far as we're concerning kayfabe, Muhammad Hassan is dead. Because outside of kayfabe, here's what happened. Uh, the broadcast network, UPN, got so many protests, got so much heat, that they presumably looked around and said, why do you have an Arab-American stereotype on your show at all? Mm-hmm. stop doing that get him off our channel he's done they blackballed the character yeah and wwe looked around and were like well uh, uh okay we can't have him on tv but we've still got him booked for this pay-per-view match so they figured out you know their workaround was to say well he's just not going to appear on smackdown he loses the match and rather than try to force some sort of workaround or send him to raw they they just decide to nuke the whole thing, and they send Muhammad Hassan back to OVW. Presumably, he's Mark Magnus again. I don't know if they ever address it in storyline at OVW, but they send him back to developmental to come up with a new character, and best of luck to mm-hmm. And then they fire him two months later, September of 2005. So his entire WWE career didn't even span a full year. He's called up like the second to last week in January – Fired in September of the next year. Best of luck to Mark Copani. We wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Great. I feel bad for this guy, man. I really do. None of this is his fault. Right. He wasn't like he, he didn't light the world on fire, but he'd only been in developmental for two years. And this was not like it is now where you have like a huge indie scene to grow on before you get sent to NXT. Like, This was the extent of his experience in wrestling at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Batista was kind of the same way when he got called up. Super green, weird gimmick, but, like, he was good. And I'm not saying that, like, Muhammad Hassan would have been the next Batista, but they gave him a really interesting character to sink his teeth into. 
And when they ask him to crank that heel up to 11 and just be ridiculous and stupid and hateable, he was so good at it, man. Like, like I said, that line where he stands in the middle of the ring and he's like, I know all about sacrifice. I sacrificed Davari. I sacrificed my lawyer last week. I know what it means. Like, that's just <laughs> he got it. You know what I mean? Like, he knew exactly what his job was and he did it really well. Yeah. And WWE, for the most part, like they handled the character pretty well. Again, the way he was a heel wasn't subtle. Like he would just rip on the troops and call all Americans racist and, you know, stuff like that. But the fact that he's like a disgruntled American citizen who's been disillusioned because people have been bigoted against him is super interesting. And like when JR's on commentary before he goes down to the match, you know, with J- with Jerry, he's like, well, these two, you know, they've, they've certainly got their own belief system. But I know it. they don't speak for all Arab Americans like they're going out of their way to make sure you know they're totally cool with Arab Americans and Muslim Americans in the United States and in the WWE universe. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. And it's weirdly ahead of its time and like, well done. And then they, you know, they pushed it too far. The terrorist <laughs> angle was stupid. It was <laughs> offensive. But if the terrorist attacks hadn't happened, if that horrible timing hadn't happened, I don't think they would have nuked this character. The plan, it later came out. The plan was to have him cheat, to beat The Undertaker for that match at Great American Bash, protect The Undertaker, you know, whatever. But, oh, Muhammad Hassan wins. And he was going to go on to SummerSlam and beat Batista for the title. Mm. He was going to be the youngest champion in WWE history. He was going to break Randy Orton's record for youngest champion. Like, they were really, really committed to this guy. And it was really interesting. And you know what I realized doing my research today about halfway through? I realized what this guy reminds me of. He's prototype Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Except it works, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. it's good. Because unlike Jinder Mahal, like, this is exactly what Jinder Mahal did. He had the heel manager. He would cheat his way up the card, cheat to win title matches. And then eventually he won the title. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because he was a great wrestler. He was still a cocky heel who had to cheat to win. Right. But he ran with the title for a while. And it like it didn't work because he's talking about how all Americans are racist. And I've experienced all this bigotry and prejudice in my life as an Indian American. Mm-hmm. And you're like, gender. I don't think Americans think about Indians at all. Right. Also, you're you know, Canadian. Like, <laughs> well, right. That too. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's the thing. That, same that just same with Santino Morella. <laughs> yeah. That just proves my point even more. That's You're funny. like, man, I know in real, like, not only in real life are you Canadian, but like, this thing you're talking about isn't even a thing that exists. Like, I'm not right. saying people haven't been racist to Indians. Of course they have. Sure, but sure. that's not yeah. like a thing in the public consciousness the same way, like, hey, slavery was a huge thing and racism right. and the civil rights movement. That's a thing in the public consciousness. Muslim Americans getting a lot of unfair grief and prejudice directed their way after 9-11, that's a thing in the American consciousness, not to the extent of something like the civil rights movement, but that's a thing that people know that happened. So when you have a wrestler that for real, in real life, is born and bred in America and he comes on TV and he says, hey, I'm a radical Muslim now and I'm – full of this hate for America because of this prejudice I've encountered. You're like, oh yeah, that is a thing. And like, you're clearly insane, but I get where you're coming from. And there's, there's enough there, even when he's playing this over the top 
cartoonishly evil person for you to like it passes the smell test because you're like yeah no i know this guy's from america once or twice the ring announcer even bills him as being from michigan just to drive the point home that like no this is an american guy who was born in america who just hates like it works all of that stuff he's doing the way he performs it it's all very sports entertaining it's fun to see Jerry Lawler like cut him down to size. It's fun to see Mick Foley cut a promo for the troops and chew this guy out. Mm-hmm. And they just some of it was their fault. They did push it too far, but they also torpedoed the whole thing due to a horrible situation completely out of their control. And instead of talking to the network and being like, "Look, we're going to turn this guy face. We're going to have a cheap pop like even if he didn't go on to have a Hall of Fame career, that would have been a cool moment." That would have been a lot of fun to see, and I think they could have gotten some good PR out of that. Yeah, no, and instead I agree. they kicked him back to OVW and they fired him. <sighs> see, no, see, that's that's um, no, that that's that's interesting because I know about this character because he was on the video game. I did not realize <laughs> he was around for less than a year. Like I did not know that. I thought he was around for a while, and him and Davari were a tag team. I I didn't know, I I didn't realize that he was not even around for a year. And no, that was just his manager. Well, like, they might no idea. Like, I mean, I skipped over a lot in that time period because sure. for a long time he was just a successful like cheap heat mid card heel. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they they probably did some tag stuff. I don't think they ever held the titles or anything. I think I would have noticed that. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, mostly his manager and occasionally they would tag like, like but I, I do remember like right after WrestleMania, they got in a tag feud with Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. which led to a whole other feud we can talk about. Like there was, you know, there's a lot going on there, but it's just I feel bad for this guy, man. Like you talk about, again, WWE laid all these people off and you're like, yeah, I, you know, douchey thing to do. But times are hard and they're hard for everybody. And a lot of companies are doing it. WWE could have made this guy work and they just didn't. And I feel bad for yeah. him. Like, I think he got screwed. He got screwed by the timing. First of all, obviously like terrorist attacks were a horrible tragedy and a really big deal for a lot of people. And that wasn't his fault, but then they just, they had taken the character too far and they made no attempts to save it or to, again, capitalize on the heat by doing a face turn where he beats up somebody else and proclaims his love for America. Like they just, they had a really interesting, nuanced in the right ways, over the top pro wrestling in the right ways character, and they just flushed it down the toilet. Yeah. And he, again, this was in 2005. There was no indie scene to speak of the way there is now. He retired from pro wrestling after he got fired. He was like, I'm, I'm done. He went back to college. He became a high school teacher. He's a principal now. Like, he, yeah, well, good, good for him. The business burned him really bad, and I do feel bad for him, but he seems to be doing fine now. Like, that's, you know, he he found a meaningful career for himself, but it's just, it's an unfortunate story. And it's unfortunate because they started off doing something, like, really intelligent and clever, and they could have done some really fun stuff with that. And instead, they didn't. And, yeah, I think this guy kind of got screwed in the process. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, that is a shame. Yeah, see, I, again, I, I'm familiar with the character, but I was not familiar with that uh, that much of the character. And, wow. Whew. Yeah, and, again, don't run a terrorist attack angle on your TV show. Like, don't I think ever that's, do that. I think that's the lesson. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think that's the lesson. 
Um, because here's the thing. It's easy for me to sit here and say like, oh, well, if the real life terrorist attacks hadn't happened, then maybe they would have kept going with this. <laughs> but also like the reason they were doing this was because in 2004, that was kind of a hot button issue. Some other terrorist attack would have happened. And then this would have all gotten scrapped, which, you know what I mean? Like the fact that they had already pushed the character too far was pretty evident and would have led to a problem at some point anyway. It's mm-hmm. just the fact that it happened to hit the day of a major, major terror attack kind of underlined the point. But yeah, yeah, subtle, you know, nuanced Arab American characters who are effective heels without having to be out and out terrorists. Good. Yeah. Uh, Having five men in ski masks jump the Undertaker and strangle him with a literal weapon of war? Not good. Don't do that. No. Bad not a wrestling. great idea. Not a great idea. No, it's not. All right. Well, that was that was quite an experience. We went on <laughs> quite a roller coaster ride there with uh, with that angle, but I'm glad we were able to get to it because that's definitely one that I've I've seen I've seen uh, seen around and have thrown around a little bit. So yeah, no, that's that's a solid one to get to. Solid one to get to for sure. We'll see what I come up with for next week. Man, I don't even know. There's so many dumb things to come <laughs> up with. So many dumb things. There's one thing that uh, we didn't even mention. Also, uh, with this Hassan thing, now, Davari would stay with the company for a while after this. Um, he, he wouldn't leave mm-hmm. with Hassan. Like, he stayed with the company and for at least i don't know exactly how long at least a, a couple of years he was around at least for a while mm-hmm. um but there is something you know, you could talk about with him anyway there, there's a handful of interesting things that i'm gonna have to figure out what i want to what i want to work on wrestling's so many so stupid it's so stupid there's so many stupid things <laughs> mm-hmm. so many the, the toughest thing is there's so many of these things that are like one thing and I don't know if I can make mm-hmm. a whole episode out of them. So at some point, we're going to have to start doing another grab bag like we've done a handful of times. Um, yeah. where I can just You'd be surprised, though, because I didn't think there was a... T- You'd be surprised, because I didn't think there was a ton to Muhammad Hassan, but that was, you know, that was a lot <laughs> to sink your teeth into just for a week, so... Yeah, no, that worked out. That worked out great. But anyway... <laughs> Make sure and uh, follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla. We follow back wrestling fans. Tweet out all the updates on new episodes and stuff like that. Um, also, just talk about random other wrestling things going on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So do that as well. Follow us on Instagram. That's also behind underscore gorilla. Uh, just post random wrestling stuff on there as well. Um, yeah, so join us next week for another crazy wrestling topic and another we'll talk about whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. We'll see what changes between now and next week. You never know. I doubt we can have a crazier week than last week or than this past week, but uh, who knows? You never know at this point. Wrestling's weird. <laughs> WWE has come to terms with the release of Roman Reigns, which is him the best of luck in his future endeavors. Oh, who knows, man? Who knows? All right, but that does it for this week's episode. Again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.